As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to 5,000 to 1, the Leicester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as always, my right-hand man, former record transfer fee received for Oxford United until Kemar Roos stole the title. It's Matt Elliott. How are you doing, Matt? <laughs> I'm good, thank you, Rob. I'm, I'm wondering where you pulled that stat from, but um, I didn't actually know that was the case. Uh, I, I'm disappointed, mate. You got it off on a negative note because uh, I, I thought I still had that record. Kemar's nicked it off me, but uh, has Kemar got a bar at the Kazan Stadium named after him, though? I wonder about that, as I'm fortunate <laughs> enough to have. But uh, How typical you've got a bar named after you, Matt. Uh, what are you implying, Rob? What are you implying? <laughs> Come on, let's get on with things before, <laughs> before we go down the wrong avenue. <laughs> well, we've got plenty to discuss again with the amount of games that we've had coming thick and fast. And we'll get into that because of the cost it's uh, it's had on Leicester City this season. We've had European action. We've had Premier League action. Let's kick off at the top with, uh, well, with a, what's been a tough week, really, for, for Leicester City. Going out of the Europa League to Slavia Prague at home. I know I saw you at that game, uh, Matt. And then... Uh, Arsenal coming to town as well. Another home defeat for Leicester City. They they really are struggling on home soil this season compared to their away form. But let's start with Slavia Prague because uh, that was a that was a disappointment that night. I know he rested three players, Harvey Barnes, and we since know why he rested Harvey Barnes on the bench that night. Uh, Ricardo Pereira and uh, and um, Castagna, um, but they were it, it, they they would deserve to go through, didn't they? Slavia on the night, the way they played, they played very similar to Leeds did. I thought, man-to-man, yeah. them, put them under pressure. Yeah, they did a job, didn't they? And a very good one against Leicester. You know, in the first leg, you thought they were energetic. Uh, Slavia, this is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, energetic, you know, committed, quite physical and athletic, as I say. But they were, um, they turned it up a notch, didn't they, in in the, the second leg? Because Leicester, I thought Leicester started comfortably enough without ever getting into any real rhythm. But I felt that they were sort of in third gear for the first 20, 25 minutes, uncomfortable enough. And that perhaps, the, you know, they, they would turn the screw as the game went on. But the opposite happened, really. The longer it went on, the more comfortable uh, Prague became. And it was them who turned the screw, really, because they, they, you've, you felt that they uh, 
they sensed there was an opportunity for themselves. Leicester weren't really making any headway. And bit by bit, they turned the heat on, didn't they? And as you say, ultimately, quite deservedly, you have to say, uh, got themselves through to the final 16. You know, Leicester couldn't really, really put get any impetus into their performance. And once, even as early on as conceding the first goal, you feared that the worst was to come. Not necessarily that the tie was over, but Leicester to score two goals, with the away goals counting, of course, you know, seemed a, a very difficult task, didn't it? And one that didn't seem within their grasp, really. And obviously the second goal finished it off. And cue wild celebrations from their entourage and their players on the pitch. And you could see how much it meant to them. And ultimately, Leicester, Leicester couldn't come up with the goods, could they? You know, like I say, they brought the three players on, Castagna, Ricardo, Barnes, try and make a difference. But by then, the game was... Game was gone from Leicester pretty much, really. And disappointing. It is disappointing. Of course, it is because lots of effort has been put into first and foremost getting into the competition and then getting through the group stage and performing exceptionally well, really. You know, they cruised through the group stage, didn't they? And hopes were, were high that they could really make an impact in the competition itself, but um, in the latter stages. But it wasn't to be, was it? It wasn't to be. And I think, I know it's easy to say now. And I'm not making light of the disappointment, but I think it will it will serve Leicester better in terms of the running in the Premier League uh, for qualification. But listen, you can't say that lightly because you, know, you spend most of your season trying to qualify for Europe. You want to do as well as possible when you're in it, don't you? And but um, I think, especially with the injury situation and the subsequent circumstances that have you know, transpired since that game with with injuries and difficult game against Arsenal and etc the flurry of fixtures that have come immediately afterwards it, it I don't know it might serve Leicester relatively well in the long run if you get my drift but having said that you don't want to be going out in the last 32 when you know such an effort has been put in to get to that stage but I agree with you though I think in the long term it will benefit Leicester City because that's the first experience of European football for many of these lads Slavia Prague who I thought many people uh, showed a little bit of disrespect to in the way they expected Leicester to to go past them you know they were unbeaten in their own domestic league uh, they've been in Europe the last five consecutive years of uh, consistently in Europe and not just in Europa League in Champions League as well so they've got a lot more experience about European football but that will stand Leicester in good stead with those young ki uh, kids because they've got a taste of it now it's whetted their appetite and it might motivate them even more to make sure they've got European football again next season I mean certainly the likes of James Madders and Harvey Barnes need to be playing at the top level uh, European football but even more disappointing for me than the Prague and the Europa League exit was the uh, the performance against Arsenal. Um, not just the, 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 the defeat, but the manner of defeat, because they looked out on their feet and then losing Harvey Barnes inev inevitably to that knee injury that they've been nursing now that we have since learnt about. Uh, he picked up a bump on his knee. It's got a, a piece of bone. Uh, that's come off and he's having a repair operation. As we speak, in fact, he's having that operation and will be out for at least six weeks. But um, Johnny Evans also limped out of that one with a calf in injury. Again, it's one they've been nursing him through for several weeks. It's, it's a bit like having a, a nail in your tyre. Sooner or later, it's going to go pop, and it did against Arsenal. He's going to be out for the next couple of weeks, uh, we believe, as well. He might have a chance of Sheffield United coming back for that one. 
But that left Leicester City with eight players injured. That's a third of their squad. Uh, Arsenal on the day made seven changes. They've hardly had any injuries. It is a big factor at this stage of the season, isn't it? Having your players available. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's quite clear and obvious, really, isn't it? The, you know, the, the injury situation is affecting Leicester and it's making it exceedingly difficult for them now in, in the immediate future. And a lot of people pre-game against Arsenal were... We're looking at the lineup and thinking, hey, hey, we could have a little, you know, well, certainly take it as a boost, shall we say, that the likes of Obama Yang uh, and, and and many others, in fact, were, were on the bench, you know, Sabalas was, um, uh, Saka, you know, all players who have made a big impact for Arsenal were being rested as such. But such is the quality of Arsenal's squad. I mean, that was still a very strong lineup, wasn't it? You know, Lacazette, Smith Rowe, Pepe, Willian, who, who's had his doubters, but he was a class act. He was a quality performer. Well, we know that pre match anyway, don't you? It's whether his attitude is there, and it was, unfortunately, for Leicester at the weekend. And they, they looked, they looked uh, the strongest side from the off, really, even with Leicester taking the lead, didn't they? So. Those hopes were uh, proved to be unfounded, didn't they? And, yeah, you, you felt it was only one game against Slavia, but it was almost like the manner of it. With, you know, with the, the build-up of injuries, etc., and the lack of um, energy in, in Leicester's performance, and then with the game coming around against Arsenal so quickly, you feared it, it might be a tough game for them. Um, you know, would they be able to sort of re-energise and, charge themselves up. You hoped so because it was a big fixture and so much riding on it in terms of three Premier League points, basically, and, you know, what that can can bring to you. But, um, again, I, I felt, yeah, they, they did look laboured, didn't they? And the game got steadily worse. They were sort of masters of their own downfall to a degree. You know, the set-piece situation, again, it's come back to bite them. That was, you know, weak at best, David Luiz, far too easy for him. Just a little bit of movement. No one near enough to, to make any any difference against him. Wilfred and Deedy unnecessarily conceding the penalty. Slightly fortunate in one previous when him and Tillemans sort of somewhat lazily, really, in that area, both stuck a leg out on Pepe that, that got turned round in the end from the officials. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Arsenal, as well as... They played, Leicester contributed, didn't they, to their own demise. And and then that continued in the second half with weak defending. And then almost the biggest blow of the day was to see Harvey Barnes going down in the manner that he did and stretch it off. And that seemed to demoralise Leicester City as if, you know, could visibly see their shoulders slump, really. And Well, absolutely. I mean, people are getting a bit down about it, but it was just two defeats on the bounce. Previously, they've been doing reasonably well. I mean, we were talking last week about the first half at Villa being one of the best of the season, and they're still fifth in the table, in the form table at the moment. So, But I think if they'd gone to Burnley 
and, and lost there as well. And that would have been the first time under Rodgers they would have lost three games on the trot uh, in all competitions. Then I think uh, people would have been predicting the uh, another collapse similar to the one uh, in the closing stages of last season when they let Champions League football slip away. But I thought they showed a lot of character at, at Turf Moor. I mean, to go there with so many players out injured without Madison and Barnes. And I'll, I'll talk about those two, ask you about them in, in a minute because I did a piece about Jamie Vardy on the back of, of that game. Um, but I thought they showed real character, especially again, they shot themselves in the foot early doors with a real mix-up for, for Burnley's goal. And I thought Burnley put in one of their better performances of the season as well, especially in the start of the second half when they seemed to really boss things for a while. But they stuck at it, Leicester. And credit to a number of people. First of all, Brendan Rodgers for the tactical change that got Leicester back in the game uh, in the second half. Kelechi and Nacho for stepping up the plate to the plate with a fantastic volley. Oh, and what a finish that is from Kelechi Iheanacho. Burnley opened up, but that was taken advantage of in some style by Kelechi Iheanacho. One of the goal of the season contenders, surely. Uh, brilliant uh, finish. And Casper Smarkle for a couple of wonder saves. I mean, the, the, the second one against uh, to, to deny Chris Wood from close range was absolutely outstanding. So overall, they've got to come away from Turf Moor feeling really positive about that point. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Certainly in the main, Leicester did show good spirit, and that's something that's going to be needed. You know, between now and the end of the season, it, it much has been made of Leicester City's team spirit and you know, certain other teams, but it's easy to have that that bond uh, together or, or that atmosphere within the group when things are going well. The true test is is when. Uh, things are not quite going to plan because you know I've yet to see a team with bad team spirit who are winning games, but it, it's you know, crunch time comes in adversity, and I, the signs were good I thought because we know what happened back in the last season for one reason or another things tailed off, um, understandable in some ways but the degree of it was quite alarming really, and the players will be conscious of that as well and as will Brendan Rodgers and it's been spoken about before about something you know something we need to learn from need to improve on and now's the opportunity really because it's you know vaguely similar scenario Leicester riding high you know sitting comfortably within the top four seemingly but the other clubs are not a million miles away are they the Chelsea's the Everton's the Liverpool's West Ham's etc and, and they're in a Decent vein of form, um, Liverpool aside, who possibly on the verge of turning things around a bit. So you know it's going to be a test for Leicester, and that they've got to be, they've got to be strong-minded and and shake that that sort of feeling of nervousness or a touch of anxiety, shake it out of them because they can't afford to to have that sort of apprehension within their play. They've got to remind themselves uh, what they're capable of. And, and, and dig in like they did uh, against Burnley because they got off to the worst possible start. Um, you know, there's a little change of system, certain personnel coming in. In this instance, Hamza Chowdhury and Wilfred and Deedy both, well, Hamza coming into the fray, Wilfred being put in a new position between them, they transpired to lose the ball in a vital area, one nil down. Oh no, it's, you know, it's not a snowball effect. Is everything going to go from bad to even worse? But they, they turned it around, didn't they? they? They didn't feel sorry for themselves. And I thought they did as well as they could be expected to in that first half. 
because they, they dominated possession. They made the better opportunities and certainly situations, scored a beautiful goal. Spiker was tested as well, of course, he had the header down, save down low to his left, didn't he? Um, the header there from, from uh, was it Tarkovsky? No, Ben Mee, wasn't Tarkovs- it? Was it Tarkovsky? Tarkovsky, yeah, sorry, Tarkovsky maybe. Uh, had the header, it was, you're right, sorry. Yeah, and, um, you know, there were moments for Burnley even in the first half, but I thought Leicester, Leicester looked all right. And, you know, it, it wasn't as if the players were, oh, no, Madison's not playing, Barnes is not playing, our main outlets uh, to, to assist Jamie Vardy or, you know, make a threat to the opposition. It wasn't like they were resigned to the fact that there was no creativity in the side. That I, I thought they played pretty well, to be honest, for that first half, all things considered. It was it was different case second half where it's back to the wall job. But, yeah, I mean, if Leicester can get through this little mini period, as in Burnley, as they have to, done relatively unscathed, and Brighton at the weekend, who knows, could pinch a result there. We, you know, we know Brighton's frailties. Then all of a sudden, people keep creeping back into the squad as well. Didn't they? Perhaps Perez is back. Perhaps Madison is, is able to get on the bench. And Fafana featured against Burnley, which is obviously good news. And Leicester needs to be, last little point on this, Leicester needs to be mindful that they've won games and picked up points semi-regularly without Madison earlier in the season or without Barnes on occasion as well. I know they're important players, don't get me wrong. But Leicester have picked up results without those two previously and I'm sure they're capable of doing it again. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, Casper Smichael caught the eye and, and Brendan was full of praise for him after the game. I mean, those saves, as I mentioned, were fantastic. Uh, this is what Roger said on Smichael. His concentration, his desire to stop the ball going in the net is so good. He always produces for us. He's absolutely outstanding when he had to be here. That's why he's one of the top keepers at this level. I think without question, he is one of the top keepers, not just now in the Premier League, but in Europe, isn't he? He's... Um, his consistency is there now. He doesn't make so many uh, mistakes as he used to make. And he's pulling off fantastic saves. But what I also notice from actually being in the ground when there's no fans there is how vocal he is. I mean, yeah. every word we can hear on the press bench, and I'm not going to repeat half of them because they're aimed at the <laughs> referee to put, to put him under pressure. And it does seem to make us all smile and laugh a little bit. But also, you know, he, he motivates his players. He's constantly telling them to relax. He's constantly telling them uh, what to do. He, he's pulling all the strings from about 30 yards behind them uh, he is a massive influence on that team now, not just on the pitch, but in the dressing room as well. Yeah, without doubt. He's uh, he keeps people on their toes, yeah, including officials um, yeah. and teammates. But also, he keeps himself you know, switched on. 
by uh, I, I'd learned to do it more and more as I got older in my career, more experienced. You know, you talk a little bit more, especially from that position, goalkeeper, in my case, centre-half. You can see the game in front of you. You can help, genuinely help other players out as well by talking to them and at the same time helping yourself because, you know, Casper, the goalkeepers are constantly adjusting their positions, albeit minimal movement, you know, forwards, backwards, sideways, depending on where the play is. Uh, you know, and their position is, is relative to where the ball is at that time. But they're, you know, also barking away at defenders, preempting situations. And like I say, even midfielders and beyond, because especially now, you can be even more vocal because your voice can be heard further afield. And uh, yeah, that, there's a reason why he's captain. You know, listen, and it's not just because of his, his playing uh, sort of record, you know, in terms of longevity and where he's been, but also because of his character as well. And I think without doubt, he, he's a player that's respected by by the team. Um, majority of the time, I think he's, he's sort of justified in his actions and his remonstrations. Um, doesn't always get it right, but <laughs> nobody does. And, you know, he, he's not afraid to say his piece, is he? But it certainly seems to sort of tone it down a little bit as well. You know, it's more constructiveness about it. And, yeah, he's, he's a huge influence, isn't he? Just, just by his presence and his input, but also by his contribution. I mean, last night, it's funny. I I, I can remember times when he's had critics, you know, every keeper makes mistakes, etc. And there are, even now, there's probably areas he could improve on, but he's he's, he's more reliable than than most goalkeepers, isn't he? And he's also capable of the spectacular. I agree. I agree with you. I think if he was uh, playing for Man United and putting those performances, there'd be column inches uh, feet absolutely devoted to his performances. But um, it sort of slightly goes under the radar, really, because he's uh, playing for Leicester City. But let's let's move to the other end of the pitch because uh, there's a few issues up there. I mean, I I know you mentioned there about Leicester got to remember they have won games without Barnes and and Madison. But um, between the three of them, Vardy, Madison and Barnes, they've contributed, or until last night, contributed 56.7% of Leicester's goals across all competitions and 64.4% of the Premier League goals this season. So the three of them have been hugely important. Uh, Obviously now without Barnes, obviously now without uh, Madison, Rodgers has admitted that he would like to have rested Vardy more and nurtured him back after that hernia operation, but he's having to play him. It was quite clear against Arsenal where he kept grabbing his, uh, his, his groin that there's an issue still. Uh, there, he's not getting away from people with his pace. Um, he's struggling in goal in front of goal. He had one shot on goal last night, but the reliance still is on Vardy with those two out. It was great to see Kelechi and Acho uh, step up with with that strike because um, I think that's uh, two goals in his past three. Leicester starts away from home in the Premier League, uh, just one fewer than he managed in his first fifteen away starts for the club in the competition, but uh, it was a fantastic finish. But it's still an area of concern for Rodgers. Who's going to create the chances for Vardy? Who is going to put create those opportunities for him to get himself back into goal scoring form? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, on the face of it, by you know Barnes and, and Madison, they are key men, aren't they? You know, the, the, the big threat from Leicester in, in uh, unison you know, with, with Jamie Vardy. And, and when, I don't know, say Ricardo is on the right-hand side, that, that three in behind the lone strike of Vardy, if they're all 
fit and firing, that is, is some prospect, isn't it? But as we've seen very rarely, do, do you get a, a fully fit team to select from and you, you, know, you always have to make adjustments, as Brendan Rodgers did against Burnley. And I thought I thought he did that to the best best way possible, really. Um, you know, put the two up top, Ian Acho, um, considering the opposition, etc. But will they continue that way at the weekend and, and down the line? I don't know, Vardy, that is a problem for me because, as you say, he's, I think it's quite clear that, you know, he's, he's not a total 100%, as you say. And he's been, he's had a few half chances and, or better than half chances over the last few games where, you know, you've expected him to certainly do better, if not finish him off. But um, it hasn't happened for him. You know, his touch has just been a little bit off or his timing, etc. And he tweets it, as you say, against Arsenal. That was a worry because, I mean, Brendan Rodgers is saying that, you know, he's had to play him, but I, I suppose, you know, you do have the option of a straight swap for Ian Acho, um, and to come in and Vardy rest on the bench, although he's suspended against Prague, was it Ian Acho, wasn't he? And, and it, big games as well, wasn't it? It was almost, you know, you wanted to sort of rotate, but the games were that important, you wanted to put out your strongest team and just that one more time and then again the next game, one more time. So it's a, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? But I think you've got to think, look, sort of medium term maybe with Vardy, even if it means possibly, you know, I don't know, put him on the bench possibly at the weekend and put Iheanacho up there if it's going to help his, his recuperation properly because like you say, it, it doesn't seem... A hundred percent asset, and I don't know that that is a problem then because you know the creativity around him. When you look, I mean, it's funny how it goes because it's, it's sort of you have like an air of negativity all of a sudden, don't you? If you let it grab hold of you, but you know, but not long ago, Mark Albrighton, like I know he plays uh, a role within the team, but he was considered uh, a first choice selection, you know, Barnes on the other side, Bardi up top to give a balance. Okay. And you know, he has creativity. He, he, he helped change the course of the game against Burnley, to be honest. Oh, I thought he, he did as well. He was pinging the balls across the field, weren't he? Yeah. Cross field passes were, uh, were fantastic last night. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Well, what will help them now is that after the Brighton game uh, this week, which will be their third game in seven days, and they've been, as I said at the start of the show, they've been playing midweek games every week since the, the turn of the year, since that uh, Stoke game. That has put huge pressure on the sports science and medical staff. Now, I've done a feature this week on The Athletic trying to explain 
in detail what goes into getting these players turned around between games, getting them recharged, getting them rejuvenated and back on the pitch, how you can try and prevent some of these injuries. And the science has come on. Um, uh, it must have come on enormously since your days uh, as a player, Matt. Um, but it's still not an exact science. You can't rule out all injuries. And some of the things they do, like testing the tension, the, the uh, pressure in the pitch and uh, having the pitches done so there's no algae in them, so which can meet, make them slippy and that can cause groin injuries. Um, they, they've got a, a new doctor down there, Brian English, who's known as the Sandman for having players train in sand uh, because he feels that strengthens their legs and, and takes pressure off their joints. Brighton have got a climbing wall in their training ground as well for all over body conditioning, cryotherapy, hydrotherapy. Some of the, the detail that goes into getting players uh, fit and ready to go for game after game after game is extraordinary. What was it like in your day, Matt? <laughs> I'm trying to remember that far back, but the climbing wall sounds a bit precarious. I mean, that's all well and good, <laughs> strengthening the, the overall body, but... Uh, a couple of players fall off and they, the manager won't be happy, will he? He's splatting on the floor, but uh, I'm sure they're supported. But um, back in our day, it, it was limited. It was limited, to be fair. Um, in terms of, I'm trying to think now, the, you know, the heart monitors were, I think they were just about coming coming to the fore. I, mean, I remember the story about Ian Marshall when he was at Bolton under Sam Allardyce, who put his heart monitor on his pet dog. <laughs> and then, the, and the readings came back the next day, and he was he was going wild for forty five minutes, and then didn't move out of his basket for the next ten hours. He gave strange readings. He <laughs> and Marshall had to had to had some explaining to do to Sam Allardyce after that. But obviously, that wasn't at Leicester. Uh, but it, it was it was pretty basic. I mean, we used to have the the hot and cold recovery with the old ice baths. In fact, we used to. We used to chuck and clear out the uh, the rubbish bins at the training ground, uh, and chuck all the ice and water in there and sit in there like a. It was almost we do it in groups of four. It was like sort of four Daleks <laughs> <laughs> outside outside the training ground between the training pitches, just sat there up to your up to your chest in ice and water. Um, that was our recovery recuperation. Although um, I remember we uh, we filled up the jacuzzi itself with, with ice and water, and Neil Moxley, who's a, a journalist that you'll know, Rob. Yeah, I know Mox. He, he came on a pre-season experience day with us, so he did the, the actual training in the morning, ice bucket, ice jacuzzi. Sorry, at lunchtime, in there, myself, Dion Dublin, a couple of other players, and Neil Moxley. He passed out. It was that cold. He's actually passed out and, and flopped under the water. We saw his face turn. Like, you okay, Neil? He's like, no answer. Gone purple, slid <laughs> under the water. We're like, we're calling for the physio. Physio, casualty on board. <laughs> Had to whip him out and drag him off into the canteen and recuperate and warm him up a little bit. But, <laughs> but oh, um, I've seen him later. I'll have a chat with him. About yeah, that. remind him. Remind him. It was funny, but it, it was basically it was quite primitive back in those days. I remember one one of the the new inventions <laughs> that um, that came into play was orthotics. You know, you know the, the little supports that go in the soles of your shoes. Um, and that they help balance off because lots of players were struggling with their hips out of joint and their backs unaligned, etc. And their posture was not what it should be, but no one really sort of <laughs> recognised it before. But then orthotics were brought in, and the likes of Ian Marshall, whose hips were about two inches um, off balance, it, it was 
a game changer for him because, you know, his posture all of a sudden, it took him a while to actually get used to it, but he, he was having problems with his ankles, his back, his knees, and it was all associated with his posture. So he got that straightened up a little bit um, and sorted him out. Uh, to a degree, but by then it was nearly time to retire anyway. So it was a little bit late for Marshy, but that was, you know, pretty scientific at the time. And now I think it's just bog standard uh, for, for players, plus a whole lot more. Well, down the training ground now, between games, when it's all about recovery, they come in and they do their, um, like a warm down, then they do a recovery session, which could be spinning, could be going for a swim. Uh, obviously, it's all about nutrition as well. Then they go off for a sleep in the uh, bedrooms at the new training ground as well. And then they come down for a massage. Now, that doesn't sound like a bad day's work, Matt. In fact, I can imagine if you went up for a sleep, they'd be banging the door down <laughs> to get you out of bed, wouldn't they? <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say banging in the bedroom. <laughs> but they'll be, uh, yeah, to be fair, I was a bit like a grizzly bear in hibernation. Once I, once I nod off, it's uh, halfway stirring me up again, especially if there's a little gym exercise to do in the afternoon. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the facilities at the train are going unbelievable, aren't they? And I mean, to, to be fair, that doesn't sound too different from our sort of recuperation methods, really, but it's all a little bit grander these days and uh, all a bit more meticulous in terms of the recordings and levels, etc. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we had massages back in our day and you know, the, the ice baths, etc., and a time to rest. They wouldn't let us have a snooze too often. But... Um, yeah, it's, it's all a sort of a level or two above these days, isn't it? And uh, injury prevention is massive. Um, I don't know. You know, looking at looking at the situation and record this year, has it become more successful? You wouldn't necessarily say so, would you? But I don't know. We put it down to them being sort of more finely tuned than we were these days. Oh, absolutely, Matt. Well, thank you, Matt, for joining us this week. Hopefully, we'll uh, be reflecting on a win at Brighton that gets Leicester's Champions League challenge truly back on track after a very minor blip. But uh, we'll be back to discuss that next week. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure, Rob. Catch up soon, mate. Take care. And thank you to all our listeners on The Athletic 5001. We'll see you next time. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.